Hi, welcome to the 11th episode of the Wade the Elephant podcast. Uh, For this podcast, I'm actually just by myself. Um, It's the first time I'm doing a solo podcast. Uh, I received some feedback after the last episode. We had a couple of people write in. Uh, One person wrote in uh, who signs off as Shmooby474. And another one who identifies as Punky Brewster fan 12876. Um, they both had some good letters that they sent in. The common theme between both of their letters is that uh, I don't talk as much as maybe I should in these podcasts. Um, I think in particular the last episode, I was kind of asking the questions uh, to Garrett, and Garrett was giving his response, and I would give my feedback on some of the questions as well, but maybe I didn't elaborate as much as I could have. And so for this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to re-go through all of those questions uh, and this time really uh, expand on my personal beliefs on those questions. So um, for anyone who has not listened to the previous episode, um, you can go back and listen to that before listening to this one if you want or if you're just interested in hearing what I have to say on these questions. Uh, feel free to just stay tuned. So, going to the questions then. The first question uh, was, what in particular led you to having a belief in God? And for anyone who had listened to the previous episode, um, I stated that I did not come to have a belief in God based off of the fact that I was baptized as a baby or confirmed as a teenager or the fact that I was raised in a household in which I did go to church. My parents did have us go to church um, pretty much every every weekend. Um, We went to church more often during times of the year, like Lent and things like that. But it really wasn't that that led me to have a belief in God. It was my own life experiences. And I would just like to say that my belief in God is my belief in God, and each and every individual out there is going to have their own belief in God, their own, not so much necessary belief, but relationship with God. And the way I think of it is, if you think of an equation, on, on the left-hand side of the equation, you have God plus you plus your life experiences, that equals the right side of the equation being your relationship with God. And taking that into account, knowing that for each and every one of us, the left side of the equation is going to have at least two different elements of it that are going to be different for every single one of us, being each individual person is different and each individual person's life experiences are different. I don't think it's fair for us to assume that people should have the same right side of the equation. Their experience with God should be the same. Why isn't your experience with God similar to mine? Because if it isn't, you must be doing it wrong. Uh, I don't think that's fair at all. And so what I'm going over with the answers to these questions is my experience with God, is my beliefs, uh, 
And as I've stated in other podcasts, I may be completely crazy. I may be completely out of my mind. Maybe I've got some weird form of a mental illness that causes me to believe the things that I believe. But I don't want anyone who's listening to this to have uh, the impression that what I'm saying, I'm saying in a way to try and judge you. Because if you have a different experience than I have, you must be doing it wrong. I think each and every one of us has got a different experience. As I stated uh, in the previous episode, I think of God as the way he's referred to often in the Bible, God the Father, um, God the parent more than anything else. Because, you know, some people may not have, have, may not have had a good relationship with their father. They uh, have a hard time then thinking of a father figure in a positive light. If you hear with your you know, human dad have had not the best experience um, to think of something as God the Father, you might be like, yeah, well, I don't like that. So I think of it as a parent. And as a parent, I have five biological children, and I have a different relationship with each one of those children, but that doesn't mean that any one of them is necessarily doing it wrong because their relationship isn't the same as one of their siblings, right? So to for me to have a different relationship with God the Father, with God, doesn't mean that if you don't have the exact same experience that I am having, that somehow you're doing it wrong. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Uh, the next question that was on the list is, what does God look like? And my response to that is, I think God looks like love. Whether you see love in the eyes of another human being, you see it in the in a puppy that's excited to see you when you got home. God is love. Um, he doesn't look like the way that he's depicted in uh, popular uh, media culture, where he's just the white the white bearded old man up in the clouds. Um, I don't think he looks like that at all. But to be honest, I have no idea what he looks like. I just say I think God looks like love in whatever shape or form you see it. You find that. Uh, the next question is, what does it mean to pray? Is there a right or wrong way to pray? Um, to me, praying is simply talking to God. When I pray, I don't, uh, I don't get down on my hands and knees. I don't fold my hands. I just talk to God as if I were having a conversation with, again, a parent. Having a conversation with a parent. And... It's really like that for me in a lot of ways because a lot of times if I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do with my life right now. I'm having problems with this or having, you know, I'm, I, I seem to be having all sorts of problems. Say, let's say I worded it that way. And then God's response to me is, well, what are you having the biggest problem with? The same way that I would have a conversation if my, any of my children came to me is I'd want to help them work through it, right? Uh, I suppose if God is all-powerful... He could just snap his finger and be like, there you go, son, no problems anymore. Problems are taken care of. Don't worry about it. But when I pray, I just talk to God. And more often than not, God is prompting me to do a deeper, uh, take a deeper introspective look at myself and exactly what I'm having a problem with. To try and help me come up with a solution to it rather than just snapping his magic God fingers and solving all my problems for me. Uh, next question is, does God experience the same emotions as us? And if so, which ones? All of them. Um, I guess a lot of these questions that I had, I was trying to feel out 
and understand Garrett's perspective. Um, I hadn't thought about it too much myself. I think God is probably capable of definitely the more positive emotions that the human that humans experience. Uh, as far as jealousy and some of the more petty emotions, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, now, another thing that'll come out more as we go through these questions here is my understanding of and my belief in how literal things in the Bible should be taken. So I'm not one of those people that has Bible passages memorized. I can't quote and say, in the book of blank, in verse 23, chapter blah, 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 whatever, I can't do that. Uh, I do know the gist of a lot of the stories from the Bible. I do know that there are passages in the Bible where it talks about God being a jealous God. So is that to say then that he does feel that emotion? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and I, I apologize ahead of time, but that might be my response to a lot of this. Me just saying, I don't know. All I know is that I have had experiences in my life that have caused me to believe in God. Again, if you look at the equation and on the right, the left side of the equation, it says God plus you plus your life experience. Well, God plus me plus my life experience equals the right side of the equation, my relationship with God. I have a relationship with God because of what's happened to me personally on the left side of my equation. Okay, does God love everybody? Does God hate anyone? Uh, did God hate Goliath? This question, again, was kind of directed towards Garrett. He has his own podcast, uh, Redeemed and Relieved Every Day is the name of his podcast. And on one of the episodes he has on there, he talks about David and Goliath. And so, uh, for those of you familiar with David and Goliath, David's the, the little guy who beat Goliath, the big guy. Um, and so the, the Bible talks about how God favored David and God, you know, saw, had a special place in his heart for David. Well, so the question then was, does God hate people? Did God hate Goliath? Uh, was Goliath a, a child of God? I don't know. I don't know a lot of the stuff when it comes to the Bible as to why it is recorded and written the way that it's written. Um, as I said, there's going to be questions in here where it talks more specifically about passages in the Bible. And I have uh, a lot of questions and, and issues with the way things are. Um, next question is, how do you think God feels about people going to church. Uh, and I kind of talked a little bit in the last episode about this. I said, I think God is happy uh, anytime that people are getting together in a community setting with the goal of being positive uh, to each other, to have positive social interactions. If uh, you're going to church, uh, to a church whose sole focus is to basically look at other people and tell them they're doing it wrong like well my church is the right way of doing things and if you go to that church or you don't go to church at all well you're doing it wrong so if you're using church as a way to uh be negative towards others i don't think that's what god wants at all but as far as being positive i don't think that he uh 
he has a problem with it. Um, I don't think if you're, for example, a church that is uh, going to the the funerals of dead soldiers and protesting to talk about how God uh, is against homosexuality, I definitely don't think that that's something that uh, he's he's like, well, yeah, it's church, and so I totally support that. I disagree. Um, next question is, which day of the week is the right day to go to church? Uh, I think that every day of the week is a good day to talk to God. Um, as far as which day of the week is the right day to go and have positive social interactions, uh, I think you should be doing that every day, whether you have a certain day of the week that you go to a certain building to do it. Um, that's completely up to you. I don't really care. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong one. Maybe, as I've said already, this is my beliefs. Maybe God actually has a certain day, and he's like, well, uh, actually, I wanted it to be Thursdays, but for whatever reason, some of you do it on Sundays, some of you do it on Saturdays. I don't know. Uh, does God want us to sing songs to him or about him? Um, I don't think that God has a problem with people using song as a form of worship. Um, but I don't think that he necessarily expects us to do that. Um, I, even when I did go to church, I didn't like to sing. So I was the guy who was sitting there and just kind of mouthing along like, oh, here's the part where we get up and we sing the hymns. Well, I'm just going to pretend to be singing along and I hope nobody notices. Um, now, if God's all knowing, he definitely noticed that, right? So am I going to have to answer to that when I, uh, when I, die and I get to heaven, he's going to be like, so what was that? What was that with uh, just mouthing along and not actually singing the words? Um, obviously, there's people who uh, have a problem with their voice box. They can't sing. So does that mean that they're less of a, a person in God's eyes because they are unable to sing? I don't know. Again, if it's something that people are using as a way to to positively support each other and worship him, I guess I don't see that he would have a problem with that. But I don't think that he expects it. All right. Why did God in the Old Testament require sacrifices be made in order to atone for sin? Uh, this is an area where I think I have quite differing beliefs than those uh, expressed by Garrett in the previous episode. Uh, I just have a difficult time believing that God, who is supposedly unchanging, went from requiring all these things be done in a very specific way in the Old Testament, and then all of a sudden had a change of mind in a couple thousand years, decided that he is going to make uh, things super simple. For anyone familiar with the New Testament, the New Testament, uh, Jesus' message was basically just, hey, how about just get along with each other, just treat each other nicely, be kind to each other, and don't worry about all the complicated ways of doing things in the past. One of the people, the groups of people that Jesus had the biggest problem with um, were the, the priests, were the high priests who basically were using religion as a way to oppress uh, the masses. They were the ones who walked around all highfalutin like, no, we know what we're doing, um, and you're doing it wrong, and if you want to know how to do it right, come to us, you give us money, we'll do the things for you, because it's really complicated, and we just, uh, we'll, we'll make sure it gets done right, but, uh, you can't be expected to be able to do it. 
And Jesus came and said, basically, like, yeah, screw all that. Um, just treat each other nice. And if you do that, if you just love one another the way that, you know, you would want to be treated, treat one another the way that you'd want to be treated, then you're doing all the things that God wants of you. So for God in the Old Testament to have required things, I don't know. My personal take on it is we screwed it up. We as man screwed it up and made it super complicated. Uh, Garrett talks about how, and this is in the Bible, how uh, in the past there used to be one day a year where God would come down. He would physically come down and he would be on the mercy seat, which was the, the Ark of the Covenant, the top of the Ark of the Covenant. There was these angels that were kind of facing each other, if anyone's ever seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and that is where God would come down once a year. And one person, the high priest, would go in and actually convene and meet with God. And prior to going in there, they would spend a whole week making sure that they were cleansed, clean enough to go in there. Because if they weren't, God would strike them dead on the spot. I don't know what to think of that. Like, what the hell? So basically God's saying, like, you are all my children. I love you. Now I'm going to come down. I'm only going to come once a year. Now I'm coming once a year. And when you get there, all I'm saying is if things aren't exactly perfect, I'll kill you. I'll kill you right there. Like, that doesn't compute to me. If God is supposed to have a love that is greater than we can have right it's greater than we can have and i again think of it as god the father god the parent so me as a parent i cannot even wrap my mind around let's say instead of five biological children i had a hundred biological children and of those hundred children i'm like well i'm gonna come once a year and i'm only talking to one of you all right i'm only gonna talk to one of you now uh when I get there, though, you better be in line and do everything exactly the way I say, because if you don't, I'll kill you right there. But I love you. Don't worry. I love you. I love all of you, but I'm only talking to one. And that one better do things right or I'll kill you dead on the spot. Like, what the... F like, sorry, I don't mean to swear, but what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, do you know what I can wrap my mind around? I can wrap my mind around if, again, let's say that I have a hundred children and those hundred children talk to each other. And those hundred children, the ones that have been around a little bit longer than the other ones, the older ones, talk to the younger ones and they're like, actually, you know what, dad, if you want to talk to dad, you only can talk to him once a year. And if you don't do everything just right, this is what's going to happen. And it's them basically pulling a prank on one of their younger siblings. I could wrap my mind around that. I think that we made this complicated thing that never really existed. Because it kind of ties into one of the other questions that we have in here where it says, Is the Bible, does the Bible have inconsistencies? And Garrett's response to this was that it doesn't. And I've heard plenty of people with the same response that it doesn't. And I say, how do you figure it doesn't if, God is unchanging, yet God changes throughout the Bible. That in and of itself is an inconsistency, is it not? 
God went from being this guy who said, I'll only talk to one of you once a year and everything has to be done just right or I'll kill you on the spot to, hey, just can you just be nice to each other? A God who, again, if it's if it's a God and I've got a hundred children and I'm like, can you just, I, I want you all to just get along, treat each other, help each other out, be decent to each other. But I used to be somebody who would only talk to one of you and then that one would be the one who would go and disseminate whatever it was that we discussed to the rest of the children. That's where I have an issue and where I, I just don't understand it. And, uh, when I've prayed on it, the best that I can get is that it was us screwing it up and making it complicated. We made it so complicated that God said, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to make it super simple. Basically, I think it's kind of like this. God made a covenant. He made an agreement with us, right? As man, mankind, human beings. He made an agreement with us to which he said, hey, you know what? Uh, you and I are going to get through this together, this thing called life. And whatever you say, I'll uh, uphold in heaven and I'll, you know, I'll be there to, to keep my end of the deal. You keep your end of the deal. Well, if God can't tell a lie and God says he'll uphold his end of the deal and then man's going around saying, well, this was the deal. And God's like, no, actually, I, I don't remember that, but I can't go back on it because if I go back on it, then I'm not God who can't tell a lie, right? Uh, not that God's George Washington, um, but man comes up with things and says, God said this, God said this, God said this. And God's kind of like, yeah, no, 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 that's not quite what it was. Well, then God's like, why don't I come in the form of man, which is Jesus Christ, and God, as man, then made an agreement and said, going forward, this is the new rule. No rules after this. This is it. Just treat each other the way you'd want to be treated. Just help each other out. Realize that love is the strongest force. And if you love each other and everyone were always trying to help each other out instead of trying to cut each other down, things are going to be way better for you. And that's the new rule going forward. No rules after that. Uh, that's my belief as to what occurred. We fucked it up. God came as one of us to say, well, since I've got this agreement with man, I will be man and I will make that agreement. And also I'll make a new rule going forward. No more rules. Just treat each other decently. And it's as simple as that. So what was complicated because we were a part of it and we made it complicated is now simple. Going forward, no more complications, no new rules. Okie dokie, next one. Uh, how many commandments were in the Old Testament and why did God have so many? Um, in the previous episode, I mentioned I've heard the number 613. I don't remember exactly where I've heard that, but... Garrett said something about 300. Uh, anyways, there's a lot. There's a lot more than just the Ten Commandments that people think of. Um, and it ties into, again, what I said. So if once a year uh, God was meeting with one special person, then they'd come out and they'd say like, okay, so yeah, uh, I met with God and God said this and God said, no, we got to this and we got to that. Like, 
that's where a lot of this came from, right? So this was all these rules that were put into place beyond just the, the Ten Commandments. So there was all these different rules, and as Garrett pointed out, who again, he knows he knows uh, Bible passages and, and stuff like that a lot better than I do. He was saying that some of them were meant to be for everyone. Some rules were meant just to be for uh, the priests. Regardless, it was rules that we were putting into place because... We were, one of us anyways, were meeting with God, and whether it was God actually saying all this stuff, God being that complicated back then, and then all of a sudden later going like, yeah, I don't want to be that complicated anymore. I don't want to just meet with one of you. I want to have a relationship with all of you. Um, I just think it was us. What if, what if the priests were going in there and meeting with God, and God was like, hey, I just want everyone to get along. In fact, uh, anyone can come and talk to me. Uh, anyone of you that you can come and talk to me. And you can talk to me anytime. You don't need to just do it on this one day. And then the priest came out and he was like, but I kind of like feeling special. I kind of like the fact that I'm the guy that everyone comes to. So I'm going to say that God said this. And God said that... Uh, only, only I can talk to him. If you want to know what he said, you still got to come to me. Because that one person felt kind of special being that way. But really, in the tent, God was like, I don't, I don't understand why no one else comes and talks to me. Um, I want everyone to talk to me. And it was man who is fallible, who was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this kind of uh, be my thing. And I'm going to scare people, too. Like, if you didn't, you know what? I did it right. I had this whole week I prepared myself before I talked to God. Like, don't go try and talk to him. Because if you didn't do what I did, I had to do all this stuff. If you didn't do what I did, he'll kill you right there. So don't even try it. What if that's what happened? Uh, next question is, which of the commandments are people supposed to follow now? Um... I think people are supposed to follow the golden rule, which is the last commandment that Jesus gave that said, this is the new commandment. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, in the previous episode, we kind of said the Ten Commandments all are kind of encompassed in that one commandment of just, hey, just be decent to each other, right? Thou shall not kill. Well, it's not too decent to kill each other. So how about just be decent to each other? <coughs> Excuse me. Um... Which denomination of Christianity is the right one? And if there isn't a right one, which is closest to being right? Um, I don't think there's a single right denomination. As far as the closest to being right, I have no idea on that either. Um, if God is the father, what sort of father would he be to only listen to some of his children simply because they adhere to a certain doctrine that others don't? I think he's there to listen to any one of us, whether you actually are a member of and attend a certain church. Just reach out to him. Just again, I know this is, sounds like a broken record saying it again, but God the parent, God the father, if for those of you out there that have children, let's just bump the number of children you have up to 20 children. If any of your 20 children wanted to come and talk to you, would you turn them away because they're not doing it the same way some of your other children are? 
saying I'd only talk to I only talk to Sally, Bobby, and Joey because the way that they do things. But anyone else, if you want to talk to me, start dressing like and acting like Sally, Bobby, and Joey over there. Otherwise, get out of here. I don't think so. Um, next question is, what are your thoughts on baptism? Do you believe, uh, as some denominations, that infant baptism doesn't count? I think baptism, whether infant or done as an adult, is symbolic. That's it. It's not a magic water seal that is anything that is required to, to get you into heaven. Again, I could be completely wrong on this. Um, my two youngest children haven't been baptized, and that's because I don't regularly attend a church. Now, if all of a sudden the world were to end tomorrow, I have a hard time believing that the God that I believe in would say, sorry, Kieran and Keeley, um, your dad's in heaven now, but you're going to go to limbo or whatever, uh, whatever happens to the people who weren't baptized. Or... If you're one of the people that believe in the adult baptism thing, well, then they're good. Kieran and Keeley are good because they're not at that age yet to where it counts. So they just get a free pass. But then once you reach a, a, a certain age, uh, God's just sitting here and looking in his watch and he's like, hey, you know what? You've been that age now for however long. Why haven't you went and poured some water on your head? I don't believe in that. I believe in the idea of doing it, but I believe it's just a symbolic gesture. I don't believe it has anything to do with your actual salvation. Uh, ties right into the next question. Do unbaptized people not get into heaven? If they don't, where do they go? Purgatory or hell? Purgatory or limbo, as some religions believe, is where you end up if you weren't baptized. Or I believe it's the Catholics that have this, uh, this system where if you hadn't... Uh, went to confession, and you happen to die without having your sins absolved by a man in a closet, uh, then you go to limbo, right? And then there's certain things that your your still living relatives could do to possibly get you out of that and get you into heaven in the afterlife. Next question, what is God's favorite book? Is it the Bible? What do you think of, uh, what does God think of other religious texts? Um, what is God's favorite book? Is it the Bible? I think that God appreciates any book that's giving people a positive message, that's teaching people to appreciate each other and to get along. Um, I don't think God's favorite book is the Bible. I am not one of those people who thinks that the Bible, the Bible as it is right now, is the word of God, and all you need to do is go look in the Bible, and you'll be able to find all the answers to life. I, uh, I have a friend who was explaining to me once when I was like, yeah, I just don't, um, I don't have the Bible memorized the way that this friend does, the way that Garrett does, uh, and I just rely on praying and talking to God, um, and this friend of mine was trying to say, like, yeah, but you know what you need to do? After you pray and God talks to you and he gives you whatever advice he gives you, you need to double-check that with the Bible. You need to go back to the Bible and you need to, to, to verify what he's telling you. And I, I was like, I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That would be like me uh, having, again, let's say I have a 
children and my children come to me. My children directly talk to me. And then after they talk to me, one of their siblings is like, now to verify what God, what dad just said to you, you need to go and read dad's book. Go read dad's book and then double check what dad just said to you. What? That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I just heard it straight from him. Why do I need to be like, uh, cool, but I'm going to, I, I kind of doubt that and I'm going to go and verify it in this 2,000-year-old book uh, to, to believe, well, to know whether or not I should believe what you're telling me. Like, if that's what you're telling me, and again, most of the time when God's talking to me, it's just saying like, well, what do you think you should do about that? It's not God snapping his fingers and solving my problems. Uh, it's not even always giving me the answer. It's prompting me to think of something, to think of the answer. Sometimes he's giving me answers to things, but a lot of times it's trying to get me to help, for the most part, better understand me. All right, next question is, does the Bible contain inconsistency, eh, excuse me, inconsistencies or contradictions? Uh, my short answer is yes. Um, this is another area where I disagree with Garrett. As in the previous podcast, he had said it doesn't. And when people have mentioned that it does, he's said, prove it to me. Tell me one. And nobody ever has been able to come up with one. And as I already kind of stated, God being unchanging, I'm pretty sure that's in there. Uh, and then the fact that God changes his attitude towards the way things need to be done. Is that not an inconsistency? And, and the truth is, I know that somebody will be like, well, actually, and they can do these different uh, mental gymnastics where they're like, uh, see, but the thing is that you're using the definition of this, and what if you actually think of it like that, then it's not an inconsistency. And it's like, well, good for you. I don't. I don't really care. If you want to try and explain to me how there isn't inconsistencies, all right. I personally think that there is. But if you want to try and convince me that there's not, how much time do you got? Because it's going to take a while. Um, next question is, uh, is the Bible to be taken literally? Um, the parts about treating each other the way that you'd want to be treated... I'd say take that pretty literally, yeah. Um, the other parts where it talks about some of the, the negative things and uh, people that, oh, you should be stoned if you do this or you should be this or that. Like, yeah, I, I hope you don't take that literally. Um, and again, that's why I have a hard time with uh, the idea that the Bible is this book that you can just always go to and you can always find your answers. Like, a book that's 2,000 years old, I'm not saying it couldn't be a good book. I'm not saying that there couldn't be good parts to that book. But I'm saying to get a better idea of what should you be doing with your life now, why don't you just talk to the guy? Because he's willing to talk to anybody. So you don't need to also try and decipher, okay, so here's a story from 2,000 years ago. And that now this this sheep herder guy did this, and so me and my job in this factory should do that. I think I can make the connection there. Uh, why don't you just ask God? 
why don't you just talk to God? And uh, if God directs you to a passage, a specific passage in the Bible, God will help you understand what it was supposed to mean. Um, I don't regularly read the Bible, and maybe, again, maybe when I die, I'm going to go to hell. Maybe when I die, God's going to be like, sorry, you didn't get enough hours in. You uh, were supposed to have read this much, and you didn't. But I don't believe that to be true because I talk to God a lot. And he talks to me, and he's never said, like, hey, by the way, uh, good talk, but uh, when are you going to get around to reading that Bible? How about read some more of that Bible, Kier? He's He hasn't told me that. And so I think he would if that's what he really wanted me to do. Now, could it help if I had a better understanding of some of the passages? So when I say things, instead of being like, I don't know what it says, I just know the gist of the stories. Yeah, maybe it would, but... I uh, I got a pretty busy life for the most part, and uh, as I think I said in an episode that I did with Wendy, if it comes down to me looking on Craigslist at uh, cheap broken down motorcycles that I could get uh, and fix up, or memorizing Bible passages, I know what I'm going to do. God knows what I'm going to do. I'm going to probably buy another motorcycle for a hundred bucks. Um... And he's fine with that, because if he wasn't, I think he'd tell me. Where are we at? What do you make of passages in the Bible in which it condemns homosexuality and other abominations? Uh, first of all, I want to state that the only reason that I worded this question in this way, including the word abomination is because that is how uh, homosexuality is described in the Bible. Um, uh, I go back to the idea that God being the father, as a father, I would not have a problem with any of my children being homosexual. I certainly never would refer to them as being an abomination. So this, again, is the area where I think man at the time, the people that were responsible for writing these ancient books in the Old Testament, they themselves, as man, viewed it that way. And so how are they going to document things? They're going to document things from their point of view. And so they're using words that I don't personally think even God necessarily had that viewpoint. So if God loves everybody, including somebody who's homosexual... Do you think in the past he's like, God, I, I think they're abominations, and then he just came around to liking them? No, I think it's man, man at the time, man in that culture felt that this was a horrible abomination. And so, again, the example of going in, the one guy's going into the magic tent and talking to God, and when he comes out, this man's personal view towards it was, well, that, I think homosexuality is an abomination. So he's like, you know what God said? God said homosexuality is an abomination. We're going to make sure we document that and write that down. I don't think it's how it really is. Uh, it, it's, it's just another area where if you're trying to say that the Bible doesn't contain inconsistencies, is it or is it not inconsistent to say certain things are abominations and then later uh, you talk about how just treat each other kindly. Now, if you are homosexual and you are using that lifestyle in a way that isn't positive, 
maybe try to be more positive. But guess what? There's plenty of people who are heterosexual who use that in a non-positive way. If you're just going around trying to uh, just have random hookups and you're doing behaviors that are self-destructive, whether heterosexual or homosexual, maybe try and be less self-destructive with your behaviors. But again, I don't think that has anything to do with whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. It's just the fact that you're doing something that's not only hurting you, but it's probably hurting other people. Uh, the next question is, do non-converted gay people go to hell? Well, I don't think that uh, there is such thing as being converted gay. I don't think that somebody goes from having uh, being a homosexual to all of a sudden being like, well, I went through this church camp and uh, now I'm saved. And now I don't have to worry about burning in hell. So, yeah, I kind of already covered that. Sorry about the rustling of the paper here. I had to write down these questions to go through them again. Next question. What exactly is sin? Is it possible to lead a sinless life? Uh, to me, what exactly is sin? Pretty much everything. Everything is sin. Um... So to lead a sinless life? I don't think so. Um, I don't think it's possible to. Uh, I've said this before to a group of people that I was doing a little Bible study with for a while. And I said, uh, if you know anything about lasers, like lasers that are used in industry, lasers that are used... Uh, for cutting things, right? They've, they've got lasers that are used for cutting all sorts of different materials in industry, and they're very, very, very powerful lasers. Now, a laser beam is a, a really highly focused beam of light, and it passes through a lens to help focus it, right? It passes through different lenses to make sure that it's as focused as it is to then be used, like I said, to cut different materials. So I think of us as the lens in any lens that's used in a laser it needs to be kept clean because if while cutting the material uh particles of dust develop uh on the lens any dust on the lens is not letting as much light pass through it right so some of that light that's going through in a laser is very it's going to not pass through the, the lens, and it's going to then become heat. Because it's not passing through, it's actually being absorbed by the little particles of dust on the lens, and it's going to become heat, which then can damage the lens. So in industries where they use lasers like that, they need to make sure one of the priorities is making sure that that lens is kept clean. So now, I think of us as being the lens. God, being unadulterated truth, is the most powerful laser beam ever conceived right and so if god's light as a laser beam passes through us and we have even the tiniest speck of dust on us that speck of dust being sin it's going to shatter the laser or shatter the lens that is us it's going to just obliterate it right instantly too much heat is going to be absorbed into that lens and that lens is going to crack and be destroyed so whether you've got one speck of dust or whether you're completely covered in mud, 
that laser beam will destroy you as the lens when it passes through you. And so the only way that that lens can get clean is through Jesus, through believing, hey, you know what? God loves you enough that all you got to do is just, just know he loves you and just be decent to each other. If you believe in that and Jesus clean that lens for you, that light of God, when you are standing in line at the end of time, when you die and you're waiting for God, and basically it's like they've got a little guy waiting to flip the switch and you got a guy at the switch who's like, okay, you ready? Flip on the switch. A lot of religions, and I'm not, and I'm not trying to act like I understand all religions, but there's a lot of religions in which to get to the higher levels of the religion requires you to do this, and then you to do that, and then you to do this, and you to do that. And my thought is, well, what if you're just really, really busy in life and you don't get those things done? Are you just screwed then? Well, some of those religions believe if you don't get it done the first time, you come back and you get a second chance to do it. So you just constantly come back until you get the time to clean your lens, right? You're the one who's got to clean your lens. You're the one who's trying to be like, it looks good to me. Well, I picture a line of people who have all gone through the steps of trying to clean their lens and they're like, I think I'm good. And then they're like, all right, we're going to flip that switch. And they flip the switch and the light of God, that laser shines through and psh, it shatters. And then you got people in line behind who are like, oh, I think mine's cleaner than his. I, I, I'm getting up next here in line. And they're like, next. And everybody that's trying to get there themselves, everybody that's trying to find salvation on their own, do it their way. Their lens is shattering. But then there's another line of people who are going through and every single one of them is getting through and it's looks over there and it's like, well, wait a minute, what's going on over there? What, what's different about that line? And they're like, oh, well, I didn't clean it. This guy cleaned it for me. Uh, and Jesus is just sitting there and he's waving and he's like, well, what do I need to do to get in that line over there? And Jesus is like, just come on over. That's fine. Just come on over. Like, I don't need to, because I did a lot of things in this line and I think I got my lens clean. And he's like, but every single person in front of me that's also just trying to do it their way, they haven't made it. Um, but in your line, it looks like everyone's getting through. What, it, it, Like, how much is it going to cost me to get over there? And Jesus is like, just come on over. Just come on over and we just all treat each other nice over here. Can you do that? And he's like, sure, I can do that. Then come on over. Go about living your life and do it in a way that's treating other people nice. And uh, you don't have to worry about trying to get there yourself. Just come over here, and I'll take care of it for you. That's my view. Again, my belief, you don't have to uh, believe in that if you don't want to, but that's just the way I feel about it. Next question. Are angels soulless? I have no idea. Short answer, I have no idea. Uh, I know it talks about angels in the Bible. I know that... Uh, I've had experiences in life where it's like, I probably, I must have had a guardian angel looking out for me. I know that there's passages where it talks about uh, a thousand, is it a thousand, a hundred thousand, ten thousand? I don't remember. You could fit a lot of angels on the, they could, a lot of angels could dance on the head of a pin. Like, okay, um, does that mean they have a soul or not? I don't know. I, uh, I really don't know. Next question. Um... Is God okay with people drinking alcohol? How about the use of drugs? Um, when people become dependent on using alcohol or drugs, 
in order to deal with and or escape their problems, um, I don't think that ever turns out well. As for how God feels about people using drugs and alcohol, I don't really know. Uh, I don't use either, but there was a time in my life when I did, and during that time, um, there were times at which I was under the influence and acted in a way which I probably came across as more loving to my fellow man. Um, and I know for a fact there were many times um, that I acted more hostile to my fellow man. Uh, if you are a quote-unquote happy drunk you uh, and you treat people better after you've had a couple... Uh, I guess that's better than if you're an angry drunk who treats people like crap. But, uh, even if you're one of those happy drunks and you're only able to treat people decently, uh, after you've had a couple, then, uh, I would venture to guess that, uh, you've got some other issues going on. So, as far as drugs and alcohol, I don't know. I just think, just treat people decently. And I've seen a lot of people under the influence of both alcohol and drugs treat people not so decently. Uh, next question. What does hell look like? Uh, what does heaven look like? I have no idea. The imagery that we get from modern media, from uh, books, from movies, from television, things like that, I really don't think it looks like that. Um, I think that's used in a way to entice people by, look how pretty heaven looks, and to scare people by, look at how bad hell looks, but I really don't know. Um, what do you think of deathbed conversions? Do people who give their life to Christ at the very last moments of their life still go to heaven? Is there a time frame in which one needs to give their life to Christ in order to guarantee that, uh, they that they'll get into heaven. Uh, my issue with this question is that it implies that a certain things need to be done in order to be saved. Again, it's you doing something, you being the one cleaning off that lens, you cleaning off that lens for a certain amount of time, and then it'll be good enough. I don't believe in that. I think if at the very moment you die, you're confronted with God, and you're like. Hey, can I get in? And he's like, you're what? You're forgiven. I don't know. God, I don't have a, I don't have answers to a lot of these questions that I came up with myself. Like, kind of host am I on this show? All right. Uh, how much effort should somebody put into trying to get someone else to believe in God? Um, if they already do believe in God, how much effort should be put into getting them to change their particular beliefs in order to be more in line with what you believe? So, in other words, if, if they already believe in God, but they're a Lutheran and you believe in God, but you're a Baptist, how much effort should you put into trying to show them that the Lutheran way is wrong and the Baptist way is right? Uh, I don't think that you should put any time and effort into that. I think, if anything, just encourage people to talk to God, and God will have a relationship with them based off of what their left side of their equation looks like. Uh, so if that means going to a Baptist church, if that means going to a Lutheran church, if that means 
similar to me, not really going to a church at all, so be it. All right, in the end, what is it exactly that God wants from us? Adoration, sacrifices, special buildings made in which to worship him, wars waged in his name in order to uh, force others into converting from one particular belief system to another belief system. Um, God wants what any father would want for his children, to get along with each other, to help each other out when we can. That's it plain and simple. He wants a relationship with us, and that relationship is going to vary based off of the left side of the equation for you. Again, the left side of the equation being God plus you plus your life experience equals the right side of the equation, your relationship with God. Again, God a parent, God the father, however you want to think about it, I have five biological kids. I have two biological sons. I have a different relationship with Isaac than I do with Kieran. My son Kieran has autism. He is definitely going to have a different experience with me than Isaac who doesn't have autism. Does that mean that one of them's doing it right and one of them's doing it wrong? No, not at all. Uh, Again, to just kind of go back to the idea of the Bible and should it be taken literally. So let's view it as the Bible is all 100% nonfiction. Would it be okay to take any other work of nonfiction and use that as a way to try and judge people or cut people down or tell them that they're living their life wrong? I don't think so. Uh... Or let's view for the people that don't believe in that kind of thing and say, no, the Bible is 100% a work of fiction. It's just a book of stories. Would it be okay to take any other 100% work of fiction and use it to cut people down and judge people and tell them they're living their life wrong? No. Again, on the same token, if it's nonfiction, there's plenty of nonfiction books that are out there that you could use to help enrich your life. So there's passages, there's parts of the Bible that you could take and you could use those to help enrich your life. Uh, same, same token, if it were 100% just stories, it's, it's fiction again. Um, there's plenty of other works of fiction out there that have a positive message to them by Several different authors, the world is full of books, right? So there's plenty of fiction books that have positive messages that you could take parts of that. And if you lived your life by that, it would probably be better. Be, excuse me, it would be better. You'd be better off to take some of those positive things. So take the positive, ignore the negative, and don't get hung up on, well, it's literal. It, this needs to be taken literally. Realize it's an old book. It is a book that was written by man. There's different versions of the Bible. There's the King James. There's the, the New International. There's all these different versions. And if you look at them, they're different for a reason. They've got different interpretations of things. So then it, the question comes down to like, well, if it's all supposed to be taken literally, which one is supposed to be taken literally? And trust me, I've looked into all this where people are like, the King James is the only way. The, then there's the New King James. No, the New King James is actually the only way. The King James actually has this or that. Like, are you really wasting your time on this planet 
trying to nitpick why your version of this book is the one and only and this one isn't, how about forget the book and just talk to God? Just talk to God and he'll talk to you. And you can know what to do in life by that. It would be like, I'm getting close to running out of time here. We're already at 56 minutes, so I'm going to try and wrap this up. But it would be like if the Bible, the whole Bible, was made into a movie. So it's a movie, and people can watch this movie, and there's positive aspects of it. There's good things. How important would it be when talking to somebody about that movie to be able to quote the timestamp? To be able to say, uh, at one hour and 32 minutes and 14 seconds, and this is when that positive message happens. Like, yeah, okay, I just I was just talking about the positive message. I got the positive message. That was cool. I'm glad I got the positive message, but thanks for pointing out that you know the exact timestamp code of when the positive message starts. And Oh, and you know exactly to the, it went for two minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, that's cool that you know that. That's kind of how I feel about people when... They, you know, I, I, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having certain Bible passages, but if you're using the fact that you have Bible passages memorized in a way to make somebody else feel lesser, to make somebody else feel, uh, yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. And I love you to death, Garrett, but you've done this. You've done this to me in when I've said things like, I don't really have uh, all the passages of the Bible memorized. You said, well, you know how you get that? You, you read your Bible more. Like, all right, but again, if I'm going to, if it comes down to looking for motorcycles or reading the Bible, you, Garrett, you're like my brother, you know me, I'm going to look for motorcycles. Um, so I guess I don't have much more to say. I wanted to do this episode because, again, I got feedback from Schmooby474 and punky brewster fan 12876 that i don't do enough talking and so i wanted to uh have an episode with just me um maybe i'll start doing this more often but uh you guys will have to let me know what you thought if you enjoyed this episode um you can reach out you can reach out to us at the email address contact us at wadetheelephant.com that's c-o-n-t-a-c-t-u-s T-U-S at W-A-Y-D-T-H-E-E-L-E-P-H-A-N-T dot com. You can also go to the website, wadetheelephant.com, um, and there's different ways to contact us on there. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. Or day. Whatever. Whatever.